right, guys. Uh, so yeah, this week's episode, we we teased it a bit on some of the social media channels. But we're going to be going over um, some news uh, news items that dropped in between last week's episode and today's episode. Mainly a big development in the uh, the Friday the Thirteenth. What's next? Discussion uh, for that franchise. But then we'll get into the required viewing this week, which was my pick, um, which is Ravenous. And then I guess we'll go over some movies that we finally all caught up on. I think we're going to talk a little bit about Barbarian, which is out on streaming or Pivot at this point. And uh, actually, what? No, it's HBO Max at this point. And then, yeah. um, you know, we'll mm-hmm. probably round the episode out with some other little bibs and bobs of things that we saw as well. Um, but like, let, let's start out real quick, just because the Friday the 13th thing seemed very timely because we had that discussion. Uh, it's like somebody listened to the shmo- movie Schmovie, uh, the episode 353. We were talking about, you know, what's next for Halloween, what's next for Friday the 13th, and then we're on the street. And, uh, you know, I guess this week we have a development there. So, uh, Ronald, why don't you talk to us, talk to us about that a little bit? Yeah. So, it looks like Brian Fuller. I feel like I always get this name wrong. Brian Fuller, um, who you is great. known for, yeah, uh, Got it. Great job. Hannibal, he Hannibal and a couple other gorgeous looking shows has teamed up with a 24 and is developing a Friday the 13th prequel uh, set in Camp Crystal Lake. And I think it may be called Crystal Lake. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So, you know, a 24 is one of those sneaky companies that is developing television, you know, so like Rami and thing, you know, high quality TV that when you, you know, you may not notice that it's from a 24, but if you go on their site and look at the stuff that they have their hand in, it's, it's getting pretty dense at this point. I have that list is getting pretty heavy duty. So um, Blumhouse is also involved, right? So no, I don't think Blumhouse is involved. Okay. I think gotcha, you just gotcha. are thinking Blumhouse is involved because it seems like Blumhouse. <laughs> yeah, it seems like I mean, this seems like Blumhouse or, or, or Platinum Dunes territory in a weird way. So yes, it's, it, yes. But it's A24. So there's this whole thing right, of like, right. they're known for doing horror, but it's the sort of quote unquote elevated horror. And it's the yes. elevated horror that people usually, you know, that's where the debate about elevated horror usually hinges on is those A24 movies. It's like, right. well, yeah. did anything happen in this? Was it really scary? Was it a horror movie? Yeah. I, I tend to always think, yes, that was pretty scary. And and yes, it was a horror movie about that that type of stuff. But I understand that like, this is a different stab for them. I mean, you know, Jason Voorhees is about as unelevated, if, if you want to believe in elevated versus unelevated, uh, uh, you know, this is basement uh, level as far as that goes. So it's like, okay, what's interesting about it? To us, it's just interesting because we're curious what they do with any franchise that's been around this long. But I think it's the A24 that makes it interesting. And also the, the Brian Fuller piece is like, that's huge for me. Like when I saw the headline prequel, uh, for you know, Camp Crystal Lake prequel series, I was like, oh, okay, well, if that's what they want to do. But then I saw A24 and I saw Brian Fuller and I was like, oh, all right, well, all right, show me what you got. Because t- to me, Friday the 13th is almost like the picture of the thing that doesn't need to be treated like it's got some sacred mythology or like it's even it's even got that much that needs to be filled out. So I, I feel like Brian Fuller knows that. Like he's yeah. got all the iconography. They finally have the rights to everything under one roof and they can, isn't that correct, Steve? They can finally say Jason yeah, yeah. and they can say Crystal Lake and they can say Friday the 13th and they can use the any characters, mask, yeah. any ideas. Um, I mean, I'm not expecting them to go full on meta. I, I want them to do something that functions as a, as a solid slasher story, you know, with some good scares in it. I think Brian Fuller, though, knows, I mean, he knows genre. He knows what he's doing. If he's going to go trippy with this and do something like Noah Hawley's Legion series or something like that, he's going to do it and go full on with it. If he's going to go scary, slashery, I think he can do a pretty good job of that, too. Uh, although the closest thing to it we've seen from him is is the way the deaths were handled on Hannibal. And those deaths were not slasher movie style deaths. Those were very operatic, like visual feast kind of deaths. But that show still had that creeping sense of characters being doomed and being trapped and of the physical violence that could happen to them. So I think Brian Fuller could do something amazing with this material. I just, I honestly have been scratching my head trying to think like, what does he see in it? Like what's his take on this very, uh, you know, meat and potatoes horror franchise. Right. Yeah. I think it's like something that Brian Fuller has been pretty vocal about. Like, I think it's something he's had ideas about for a long time. Uh, wanting to do something in the Friday the 13th universe. And I think, you know, just listening to his interviews around this news release and, and kind of 
him clarifying, you know, the idea that Victor Miller and, and Horror Inc. are kind of working together on, on this with him as executive producers in some fashion to give access to the entire, you know, franchise, you know, like you were saying, John. But I think also it's interesting to, to read about like how, you know, this is going to be a Peacock series. And apparently there was a pretty big bidding war on the series. And, you know, the reason they went with Peacock was because they got like a full season order for the first season wow. and basically a two season commitment is from what he says. So, you know, the show is going to be at least, at least two seasons. And I don't know what the trajectory is, you know, for the show show is as a whole, but I mean, that's something that, you know, is really interesting because, you know, the idea that there's enough there for multiple seasons of a crystal Lake show is really enticing. And I mean, the fact that he's talking about like how each episode is going to have five times the budget of what Hannibal had per episode, like, we saw what they were able to do with Hannibal, even if the deaths were different. But in this world, to know that they have a budget to make a really quality type show, um, it's just really exciting. And, you know, it's just like maybe it's a good bid for Peacock. Horror is really popular. And, you know, whether it's box office or streaming, like on all the platforms, some of the biggest properties are still horror. Yeah. Um, we'll talk about Barbarian later. We've talked about Smile the uh, past couple of weeks, Halloween ends, like. They're, they're what's making money at the box office and what people are watching still um, at home. So for Peacock, who is still kind of in the shadows, you know, in terms of original content and kind of getting subscriber uh, increases. It's a really cool thing for them, I think, you know, to have a franchise like this and a showrunner like Brian Fuller. Um, I'm a huge fan of his and most of what he's done, I've really enjoyed. Yeah. Um, but. I'm just excited to hear more about the show when it gets closer to hear, you know, casting and things like that. Um, but yeah, Crystal Lake has me really excited. And yeah, the idea that these shows can pivot much like, you know, I'm sure they're looking at what USA sci-fi did with Chucky, you know, what that series has done for the child's play franchise and, you know, kind of how these shows can maybe exist in both mediums and, you know, kind of appeal to different moviegoers, TV watchers in some respects, but just the idea of having characters represented like these horror icons represent it, whether it's on TV in a series form or, you know, in a movie theater, it's just, it's just really cool. I think. Yeah. I don't, I don't know if when you say elevated horror, we talk about that a lot. I don't know if anybody has brought what Brian Full has brought to the table with like pushing daisies and American gods and Hannibal, Hannibal, I think about the most. I mean, I don't, I've, I'd never seen anything like that done in TV form, let alone movie form, just, the attention to detail, the beauty of which it was shot. Like, can you imagine a Camp Crystal Lake show done with that level of attention? My brain would fucking go crazy. I, I mean, because it's like one of the things that Brian Fuller did by leaning into that stuff, by making the deaths beautiful and visually stunning and mm. sort of a, almost with some wit and humor to how that stuff happened. There's yeah. almost like an amoral quality to that, like presenting that imagery in that way, taking such pleasure in presenting that type of grisly imagery, you would love yeah. a character and then see them face some right. grisly experience that feels like a fitting send-off to a character in the world of that show, but it's a disturbing image or Definitely. a disturbing idea. Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, I, honestly, if you picture that ported over, even in small part, even if he's not planning on doing something so stylized with Crystal Lake, but just picturing that sensibility, someone who knows how to make me as uncomfortable as Brian Fuller did, because um, you wouldn't have thought, you know, Pushing Daisies, you wouldn't have thought that his, I don't know, I, I, Hannibal is still sort of a leap towards this kind of material that yeah. Pushing Daisies is as, even though it dealt with death a lot, it was always kind of whimsical the way that it handled it. Um, and I haven't even watched all of that show, but, but, but Hannibal was shocking to me at times in terms of what it yeah. showed. And then it would turn around and be like hilarious in, in a very dark way that you can only earn that, that laugh by going that dark. Um, yeah. And I just don't see Brian Fuller not seeing that opportunity in, in, in Crystal Lake to try to play with some of the same stuff, just extremes. Um, when you tell me the budget's that big, Steve, I'm wondering, are we going to get lots of great practical gore in this series? Yeah, it would be amazing, right? Yeah. I mean, would be cool. you would assume, yeah, that that's his prime motivation, especially like if they're willing to give it. I mean, it's, I'd love to see it on the screen. So, yeah, I mean, it's it's just now been announced, though. So it'll be a while before we know more really about this. Right. But but it is that answer to that question. We we did sort of say, like, is prequels are prequels the way to go for a lot of these franchises? And I guess right. this kind of answers the question that for Friday the 13th, at least, that's the way to go. 
because I, mean, I think exactly what we were talking about was pr- particularly with Jason. How do you go forward when there've been so many movies like that? Anything you do at this point would have to be a reboot. Right. Um, so why not get a really clever guy like Brian Fuller, who's already done the prequel thing, who's already played around in a sandbox with like with the iconography of the Hannibal sort of characters and all that stuff like that was already like designed to lead up to things that people felt like they already knew, you know, yeah. right, um, yeah, right. Yeah. So who knows if he's going to like play fast and loose and reinvent or if he's going to actually work within the the timeline of the movies or what? I mean, we just have no idea. I think that's what's kind of exhilarating about it is that it is a it is a, a cool creator and a good production house. And then, you know, Peacock, I guess they're going for the horror thing. They had Michael Myers, uh, uh, you know, this yeah. last couple of years, too. So, yeah, it's a niche. And, and, and you mentioned the prequel stuff for Brian. Ford. I mean, don't forget, he'd also created and is a big hand in the whole star trek discovery series right 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 even though so, he left the I mean, show early he was yeah he was, i mean but that's like you know got that off the ground and kind of kind of got that show going at least um with a similar kind of approach but yeah i mean yeah we're all fans of him of the series um ronald is the number one a24 fan that's out there number um, one but uh yeah so it all it all lines up so we're excited for crystal lake whenever it hits peacock we'll, we'll be sure to Watch it and talk about it here on the podcast. But um, one one little fi- last little note to add to that though is with it being Friday Thirteenth and with it being Brian Fuller, um, there is a and it being on Peacock. I mean, I guess we can question like how far the rating is going to be pushed with that with that. But if if it is a streaming thing and it is even Hannibal was able to get a shocking amount and it was network television. Um, this is Peacock, not NBC, correct? I mean, there's no there's this is correct. not an okay. I was just wondering. Yeah, no, this is this will be a, this will be a hard R. I, I would assume. Yeah. yeah, they have that that freedom there. So hopefully that's the case. Um. All right. Well, let's jump into required viewing. Um. Last week I picked Ravenous. It's kind of one of my sleeper movies from 1999. Um. Arguably one of the best movie years of all time. There's actually even a book out about it. I'd recommend getting it. I'll actually look it up and recommend it uh, by title here <laughs> in a moment. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I just always remembered like working at the video at the time, like when this movie was coming out and it kind of being like one of those, like no one, no one knew what this movie was kind of thing. Um, but you know, once I'd seen it, you know, we had always had those opportunities to see some of the movies before they, you know, hit the shelves when you worked at the video store, um, because we'd get them, you know, a little earlier, box them up, get them ready and we could watch them to recommend them. And this was always one that in my memory, um, having a pretty good track record of uh, recommendations to people. And, you know, if I saw somebody kind of roaming around the horror section, you know, not sure what to rent or something like that. Didn't want something too like slashery or, you know, they kind of wanted to get outside of a lot of the like subgenres of, of horror. Um, you know, this was always one that just kind of stood out because it, it, it is kind of, it is a horror movie of sorts. Um, it's kind of like that messed up wild West kind of thing, you know, this like, gore that's in this movie um and it's the idea of you know cannibalism and it's just gets it gets pretty gross um but mainly because i just thought the cast was great i mean i always remembered you know once i saw la confidential and you know i was a a huge fan of guy pierce and just uh really anything that he was in i would just make it a point to see it and um i don't know this was one that i feel like is criminally underserved most people don't know about it so um I don't know. I wanted to get you guys to check it out and, and see what you thought of it. So I don't know. Did you know about this movie? I know, John, you seem to, re- re- you know, have some sort of reference to it when I mentioned it. But um, I guess where where were you guys when your awareness of it before my recommendation and before my pick? I was aware and had seen it, but I think I saw it. I think I may, may have even mentioned this. I think I may have watched it with like a group of people at a night where people weren't necessarily paying that much attention to the oh, right, right. movie. And maybe you were getting up and getting pizza and all that kind of stuff. And so it's like, I have a, I have a memory of seeing, seeing this movie, but, but like in segments and with like right. stepping away. So, and that must've been, I mean, I'm now doing that thing where you go, okay, that was either 15 years ago or 20 years ago. I mean, you know, it's, it was yeah. a long time ago. So, so I, right. I was aware, fully aware of this movie and watching it was a, was a deja vu experience for a lot of just shots and images and moments, but I did not have a clear picture of the characters and the story and anything beyond just the sort of tone and uh, of what this movie is. So that's where I was. What about you, Ronald? No, I, I, I've never heard of this movie. I, 
the imagery, nothing. Um, <laughs> I do love in the trailer when he's like, he's licking me. Yeah. <laughs> so good. It, and it, it, like, you know, it's funny. I watched the trailer and then when I watched the movie and heard him say it, it really stuck with me. It stuck with me even more. Jeremy Davies um, yeah. playing another well-balanced, normal character. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Just like... <laughs> he got the market cornered. Yeah, I'd, I'd never heard of it. So, like, I was excited to see it. And uh, honestly, uh, it was refreshing, man. It it just was... Yeah, so what, what did you think of it? Yeah, I mean, you're, you're the least aware I, of it. So what did I, you think? I hated the first 10 minutes of it. Okay. I was not... I thought... I was like, what, what am I getting into? This doesn't feel like anything exciting mm -hmm. and then when the movie picks up it is some of the best action i've ever seen it really when it picks up it like it's non-stop it it i can see why people so i like google that i just went ravenous there's a lot of like flawless movie one of the best thrillers ever made like i get why people say that it it's 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 damn near perfect towards the end. I feel like it's one of those things, and I, I guess I kind of personally feel this way about it. There's a couple of movies that I feel this way about, and I it's like it doesn't have a wide audience, you know, but there is an audience for it, and it's very small. But those that like, you know, it's not unique in that way. There's tons of titles like this, but like, you know, the the people that found it. And like really kind of latched onto it, really think it's like better than just very good. You know what I mean? Like they like love the movie. And you know, you can look in the IMDb reviews or letterbox, whatever, and you'll find some of the things like Ronald's talking about. It's it's you know, it's not for everybody, and it's not like some it wasn't a big hit, it wasn't commercially successful critically. I'm not sure where it fell, probably in the middle of the road, but like it does have something that, you know, whether it's the characters or the kind of like the slight, like the slight dark comedy that's in it. And, you know, and yet how kind of, you know, gory and gross it gets at times. Yeah. Um, that just seemed like a, it's like a, it's a perfect mix for like the right kind of audience. And like, if you found yeah. it or if they found it, it's like, oh, wow, this was like right there made for me. And I, I guess I kind of fell into that, into that like kind of crossover, you know, you know, myself. What, what about you, John? What did you think of it? Well, I mean, I think that I'm, I'm, I, I might be a little bit softer on it than than the two of you are, but I think that what you just said, Steve, nails it, is which is that it's the kind of movie that I mean, it's it's not quite like a midnight movie, but it's in that neighborhood of right. like if this is if this is your if this is your jam, then it's gonna you're gonna the flaws that this movie has, you're gonna be fully willing to put aside to enjoy exactly. the totally. consistency of the other things, the 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 gore, the characters, the the tone, just the feel of it. Um, I dug around a little bit on this movie and I saw where Roger Ebert said, <sighs> um uh, or someone writing for his website, but I think it was him who said that um uh it's the kind of movie where even when you've kind of when you don't, when you're not as impressed by like the plot or what's happening in the movie, that the I think the word they used was the the texture of it. You're you're, you're sort of hypnotized and just want to hang out in that texture or want to want to spend more time in that world, sort of. Right. Um. And I do think like the the world of the, there's like a there's a fort and there's a cave. There's just some cool settings in this thing and the the, the actors. I mean, we've kind of alluded to it, but like baby Robert Carlyle, baby Guy Pierce, <laughs> baby uh uh. uh David Arquette, um, slightly more babyish, Jeffrey Jones. He's a fully grown man, know, obviously, but he's but he's younger. Um, I don't know. There's just a lot of little and and every time you start to think, okay, this movie is got some of these cool character performers in it, but it's not really. It's like, you know, like I said, a clunky moment or just a moment that doesn't quite come off. There's another moment right in there that's like well observed and funny or or shocking or or just unexpected. So I do think it's one of those movies that like, um, I mean, what is it that somebody said about a perfect movie is not a movie that it actually doesn't have flaws. It's a movie where you're willing to forgive its flaws. And right. I think when you say 
this is this is for me when when we all know when we say oh that movie felt like it was made for me we're not talking right. about a movie that doesn't have issues we're talking about a yeah. movie that that ticks a certain set of boxes for us totally. that makes us go oh i could i could recommend this movie i could watch this movie and when you watch a movie sometimes you feel those feelings building and then going away have you ever do that where you're watching a movie totally. and you're, you're like rooting for it not to fuck it up for you yes, and then it, yes then it does and you're like okay it ticked a few boxes but not enough for me to recommend it so this was kind of a waste of time and then other times you're just like <laughs> Oh my God. It's almost like a great date or something where it gets to the end and you're like, Oh my God, they didn't say anything to piss me off. (laughs) You know, (laughs) but I think this is one of those movies where if you sort of, and I I know what you mean, Ronald, about the tone, it's a little bit, it's a little bit jankier in the opening stretch because it feels like it's going to do this thing of constantly flashing back and losing you in time. And it's a little bit uh, fractured, but I think once the characters are established and we're in the world um, and they're kind of off on an adventure, it, it really picks up uh, story-wise. And like I said, anything that kind of like, I feel like the score is sometimes a little strange or a little overbearing for certain moments. Um, And outside and then there's a few moments where like logic of what's happening is a little bit slippery but once it gets into the real thrust of what's happening it's like watching these character actors like someone like robert carlisle who you've seen play a hundred sleazeballs you know yeah, uh, yeah. this is a different kind of character for him early in his career before he became that guy uh guy yeah. pierce is really strong in it too so yeah no i i had a lot of fun watching it um and i can totally see how it's one of those if not put on any time comfort movies steve but i can totally see how it's a movie that's just uh uh, you know, almost what I was saying before, it could become that background movie when you're hanging out with friends because it's going to catch your attention at certain moments. Um, and the story moves at enough of a slow pace that you 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 could, you know, you you could you could enjoy parts of this movie and not all of it and still really enjoy putting it on again, I guess is my point. Yeah, for sure. I mean, and it's 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 on that on that level for me, I guess. Like it's the movie I've watched a lot. And uh yeah, no, cool. I mean, I'm glad you guys enjoyed it. I think, what do we know about the making of it? Antonia Bird is the director. I looked at her resume. Yeah. She didn't do a whole lot that I'd heard of outside of this. And I think it even had like a, I mean, I was trying to look it up when we were talking about it last week briefly, but just like, I think she's credited with it, but I think that there was a, like a, a bit of a mix of directors involved with it. Am I right? Did you see that? Yeah. And I don't know what the story is behind that, but I mean, I know that I, and I even remember like, I feel like hearing that back then um you know like i don't know if it was production issues or not but you know something that was shot in slovakia mexico place else but um at some point there was a problem with i forget what the regular was it let me see did you look at it by chance to see as far as the director situation and everything like yeah, it does, yeah. it does so, seem like they had says uh, uh da, 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 da. so i mean basically like constant rewrites and then they stepped in at a certain point after they started shooting to replace the director too. Right. So Milko Magevsky was, was the original director. And at some point, Raja Gosnell, who more, some people might recognize was brought to the set, you know, by the executive producer um, and set him as a replacement. He left the production. It said the cast rejected him. Right. Exactly. When he was supposed to take Jeez. over, uh robert carlisle i guess is who recommended the director that ended up actually finishing the film and getting credit for it but i mean that's like that's like one of those things like some of these stories behind the scenes you like you want to see a um, like a, a short doc a doc short or something uh or an oral history about some of the some of that stuff because some of that stuff is like you know the making of these things like you know the uh what was the other one uh the island of dr moreau like that doc about the making of that movie mm-hmm um, that one was wild. Um, yeah, I don't know too much about the, the. I just remember reading that there were issues uh, about the production and problems with directors and whatnot. And and always kind of found it interesting that at some point, Gosnell was involved with the movie because he then went on to be more of a, you know, he made a lot of like comedies and family movies, you know, like he did uh, like Never Been Kissed and um one of the scooby-doo movies and big mama's house like never would you like hear his name in the realm of one of these kinds of films so it's interesting who the executive producer from the studio picked to replace the original director um maybe that's why uh robert carlisle (laughs) rejected him and recommended somebody else 
Yeah, you wonder yeah. about like if it, it says the the cast, so it almost seems like the cast ganged up on him on set, and you're picturing that <laughs> that creepy fort set. That would have been like a very intimidating situation to be right, rejected right. by that, that group. Um, I was looking at one of the character actors that's in it is uh, someone who I was like, you know what, I'm going to dig into. I, you know, Stephen Spinelli. I don't know if you know the guy I'm talking about, it, but he plays Major Knox in this, and he's a guy who's been in. Oh, tons right, right. of things. Um, and it's I, I, rather than necessarily rattling them off, I would say just look at his IMDb and you'll realize, oh, that guy. He's one of those that guy actors uh, for sure. Um, but it's interesting seeing that even in an early role, he was already like middle aged playing. He was already a that guy. Some people are just born to play <laughs> <laughs> that guy's that guy. I'm trying to see like if there's anything particularly that stands out as like oh yeah that's the thing that I'm thinking of that he's in but it's really just oh yeah tons of stuff he's done a lot of uh, a lot of television a lot of films and he always plays sort of that guy that guy uh, you can't trust sort of <laughs> uh, Jeffrey Jones will always be the guy from How the Good Duck man I can't shake that in my bones like it'll be just... pr principal rooney for me uh, yeah let's say ferris bueller for me yeah <laughs> uh yeah how do ducks like one of my favorite movies growing up man well you can make us watch it soon if you want to there oh, you mine. go there you go um yeah man i mean that, that's that's good enough um who's whose pick is it next is it ronald's I think I'm next because what was the last one? The last oh, one yeah, was yeah. oh right, right, serpent, then me, yeah. then you, John. That's right. Well, watching this movie, I was like, this movie goes balls to the wall. Let me see if I can think of a movie that is um uh I heard someone actually say that phrase recently and people take issue with it. And I realized that maybe that phrase people don't know what that <laughs> means. And it sounds like you're actually being very graphic or very suggestive when <laughs> people just used to say that, meaning that we're going all out. Um yeah. Uh, so let's just say all out. Um, this movie really goes all out with the gore and the even, like I said, the score being very overbearing and the acting right. and everything. And I was like, what would be a movie that maybe is one that I've been thinking about watching, you know, for this feature that is in the other direction, a super deadpan um, and a movie that stands out to me as like a nice reversal. And it's actually sort of from the same era of movies. This movie, I'm going to check to make sure I've got my uh, my year correct here. This movie came out in 1997. Okay. It is a Canadian black comedy. It's the one time they tried to give Dave Foley from Kids in the Hall and News Radio a comedy vehicle film. It's the one time they attempted it. It's a movie called The Wrong Guy from 1997. Um, the basic oh, premise of this is yeah. a guy who thinks he's suspected of a murder goes on the run, but they're not really after. No one really thinks he did it. But he's such really? an idiot. He thinks they're after him and he's hiding and and, you know, okay. hijinks ensue. But if, if you know Dave Foley from from news radio, you know, he was frequently the straight man on that. If you know Dave Foley from Kids in the Hall, you know that he just like the rest of them played a lot of characters. But if you could single single out his style of comedy, it was often very sarcastic, very wry, very deadpan. So I remember this movie having lots of like witty dialogue and, you know, played played low key. So it's questionable if, if it really comes off. I mean, it didn't become like a cult classic, but it is one of those movies that uh, similar to ravenous in a way where it's like the general consensus around it is like 6.7 6 out of 10 or something. Yeah. 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 But, but if you talk to people who know it, they'll say underrated. Oh, really funny. For sure. So this is one of those movies that I think I, I, I watched just a few minutes of it the other day and it got me laughing so hard. I was like, okay, so you know, maybe maybe that's the one good joke in this, but yeah. maybe it's got those little those little uh, little, uh, you know, laugh bombs sprinkled throughout. And again, if you like that style of comedy, that kind of dry Canadian comedy, um, he's definitely one of the, you know, after SCTV, the kids in the hall were sort of the, the the people who kind of carried the banner for for Canadian comedy. And we know the Canadians somehow are the funniest people. Right. I don't know how that happened, man. It's I don't know why. Constantly funny. OK, the wrong guy. The wrong guy. And uh, it's free on YouTube in low res, but I think it's also probably someone out there. Right. Like there's Somewhere there's there's Blu-rays and DVDs being bought and sold. Uh, but no, Dave Foley's not making money on it anymore because it's been out of print for, for quite a while. So Oh, dang. And I haven't seen it. Like it was one of those that I heard about and then it never... You remember the hearing about a movie back in the days before the internet or before like yes. the current movie climate? This was internet, but not quite in the time where the internet is what it is now. You would hear about something... 
And then you would just never hear about that movie again until like a couple of years later, it would show up in a video store. You know, and this was yeah. one of those for me where I was like, oh, cool, that Dave Foley movie. But it's I like, definitely it, recognize the box cover like from a video stores. It's got one of those super indifferent 1997 yep. style box cover design. Yep. I mean, no one tried, no one, no one believed in this movie. And if you look at the trailer, you'll see it's, it's cut the same way. No one believed in this movie. Um, so we'll find out if they should have next week. <laughs> uh, Sounds fun, man. <clears throat> the wrong guy. All right, cool. All right, well, uh, let's move on to uh, something that all three of us have finally seen. I, know, I think, John, you saw it in theaters. Uh, we, 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 we listened to you speak about it briefly without spoiling anything for us because this is one of the movies that, you know, it's one of those things that come along where, like, people start saying, don't go in, don't know anything about this movie. Try to go in cold. Don't watch the trailer. Don't look at the post, like, whatever that might be. And that you know, I didn't part want, of the hype, almost like right, old and, school, and, like and, don't and, tell anyone how it ends, kind of hype. Yeah, but and that's amazing because, yeah. like, you know, if you get that jump early enough, and you know, and I definitely became aware of it from like some of the festival from some of the earlier screenings that it had. Being able to hold out and you know eventually experience Barbarian without any kind of spoilers, without really any kind of context, for what the movie's about beyond maybe seeing the poster. But the poster is, it seems very, you know, doesn't really give anything away. Um, knowing who's in it, that kind of stuff. You know, I guess you maybe have some ideas about what's going to happen or who's going to do what in this movie based on those actors or actresses in their roles that they've done. But it was like one of those pure experiences that you just don't have anymore where the word of mouth has lifted a movie to really large success. I mean, this is a movie that, you know, <laughs> for all to, to keep perspective that ultimately Disney released, you know, which yeah. is kind of bonkers. And it it's is. one of these weird things with because of how Fox Regency and Fox handled the rights to this movie. You know, even though Disney released it theatrically, it finally came out on streaming last week on HBO Max. So, you know, we were able to see it finally. I think Ron and I both saw it finally uh, through that channel. Um, but it's one of those weird things where it's like this is a, you know, a pretty, pretty uh, R-rated horror movie that ultimately disney put in theaters they had a really cool marketing uh campaign for it even though i avoided it I i've gone back and watched a lot of it now that i've seen it <clears throat> but it's been interesting to see kind of how they handled a movie like this and uh especially knowing that this movie was made for next to nothing um and in 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 the grand scheme of of budgets um between this movie and smile which we talked about last week a little bit it just was like a really cool moment to see a lot of horror movies and then also terrifier two is in theaters making a lot of money on an even smaller scale. Um, but ultimately just to kind of see barbarian get the, the buzz and like this groundswell of like love from not only the horror community, cause you can look at the box office and see that this movie's done really well, like mm -hmm. hanging out in the top 10 for weeks. Um, and yeah, it was, it was good to finally be, have a chance to see it, especially to be able to watch it. The week of Halloween was really good, really good timing on their part to do that. Mm -hmm. And, you know, it's it, it's top in charts, you know, for HBO Max and for the platform. So that's exciting for for the filmmakers, for everybody involved. Um, but, yeah, I don't know. I know you talked about it before, John, um, kind of very briefly. But um, I don't know. I guess we could talk a little bit more about it now that we've now that we've all seen it. Um, but I don't know, Ronald, what did what did you think of Barbarian? Uh, it was incredible. I, it was um i think i think when i when i hear see people talk about it i think people get caught up so much in like what the surprise of the movie is right and what what people have to understand and what 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 makes filmmaking so special is the approach to telling the story is what makes this thing so fucking good on top of it just having a a bunch of great surprises um, it just is supreme, supreme filmmaking. I don't I, like I, I it's it's crazy because I just saw Ravenous and I'm like, I, I raved about how much I like that. And then I saw Barbarian and I was like, what the fuck am I watching? And then it, the, the, you know, it, it, it changes pace for a little bit and tries to, ex it explains a little more to the story and, and like, Things you don't expect it to do, it does. It really, it goes all out. It goes all out. And, you know, 
I think the gift of this movie is like, you could talk about it for two hours and never give away what the movie's about. I don't care about that. I care so I care so much about how well this movie was made, how carefully the movie unfolds, and how well it was fucking edited. It just nothing bad to say about. You it. liked it, okay? Good, yeah. No, I, <laughs> nothing I thought bad was, to say. I, 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 I thought it was great too. Like I, I absolutely loved it, and I think yeah. a lot of the things you've already mentioned. But I mean, the idea. I mean, I don't know. I don't know how much we want to get into spoilers. I don't, I'll try to avoid them at all. You how know, about we we uh, we? Do you want to like wrap up with this topic? Talk about it in a minute, and then if we want to get into spoilers, just end with that, and then yeah, and call it a show. I mean, we could. I'll slap on a. We'll, we'll, we'll make it clear. Indicate a spoil. Yeah, I'll I'll slap on a a red band that says spoilers over the poster so we so they know so let's just then so this is non-spoilery for now So non-spoiler okay so then so what i want to say about it is simply you know for an uh, an hour 42 minutes like ronald said the 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 ability of it to tell so much story in an hour and 42 minutes to have some really interesting characters that um you know kind of almost the movie almost kind of plays out in chapters you know in ways and, and it's really kind of cool with how they mess around with the environment that we start the movie in to what the next scene is in um, and even, and even maybe some time periods, the way it handles all of that, those types of storytelling devices. And, and mainly I think like to utilize the, the cast that they have, you know, I, I, I've always like felt like Justin Long is like so underappreciated yes. in so many ways. Like he, I love him. Like I've always loved Justin Long. And Same. I listen to his podcast. I, I I just think he's great, like up and down. And I always get excited when I see his name in any movie. I will absolutely watch it. He's always usually the best part of the movie. And I think this filmmaker, Zach Craigers, is just like, and, and I've listened to him talk about Justin on some podcasts and like he is just as in love with him, you know, like. Um, the idea of Justin being able to be, you know, the romantic comedies and like, you know, him being in Jeepers Creepers and Tusk in this movie, you know, and whatever the role demanded of him, I think he is just phenomenal in in this movie specifically. I think he's just great. Like everybody in the movie is great, but I just think he stands out because mm -hmm. of because of where he falls in the storytelling and what his character has to do and not do. Um, it just is so effective in uh you know kind of giving him uh some space to really show why he should be more appreciated as a performer and maybe get him in some some more uh more films i don't know tv i don't know what he wants to do but um i'm just always looking for him to do more and you know and i just think and even georgina campbell and bill sarsgaard everybody in the movie is great um the, the the filmmaker who also wrote the film I mean, the filmmaking, like Ronald was saying, he's got some moves, like some of the shots that they accomplished in this movie, listening to some of the technical talk that him and his DP had on a, one of the um, writers, uh, Directors Guild podcasts, like, you know, the way they shot some of these, the, these scenes, like with different kinds of lenses that can be detached and like attached to, you know, the actor's chest, you know, there's a scene in the movie where an actor is like holding out a flashlight in a hallway and like the camera is shooting along, at, you know, the character's arms. And it's just like, it, there's so many scenes like that where it feels so different and it's probably been done before, but just the way it's been done in this movie and in the scenes and in the environment and just in this horror element, it just, it's so, it fits so well. And like watching the movie, you know, I, I will say some of the surprises of the movie, I think work or would allow uh, some of the more technical achievements and the performances to work so well too, because it kind of, I think it continually throws you off what you think the movie is or where the movie's going so that it, you know, it kind of gives them the ability to kind of elevate each scene or these chapters I'm describing um, to kind of subvert your expectations a little bit. And uh, I just think the filmmaking is so impressive. I mean, for this being his first true theatrical uh, directing, uh, you know, directing job, I know he co-directed a movie called Miss March like a while ago. It was like a really not that great comedy. Um, and most people know him from um, the whitest, the whitest kids you know, and I think he's on a, a sitcom or a, a network show called Wrecked. But I mean, you recognize this guy if you saw his face. I'm sure the filmmaker. Like I recognized him when I was watching him get interviewed. But 
I mean, just it just felt like kind of an out of nowhere kind of thing, you know, like th- this voice, this this idea of this story. And honestly, and even the thought going into where the story takes place is just there's there's so much thought in this movie that is so well paced. It's so lean. It's so effective. Um, and it's definitely one of the better horror movies I've seen in a long time. I got to say, Same. Um, Same. I, I, I could rewatch this movie. Aaron didn't watch with me, um, but I, I could rewatch it with her immediately. And I think she I think she'd like it. She's kind of been a little off of like watching a lot of horror stuff. Um, but I think she would enjoy it because there are a lot of surprises and it's uh, I don't know, like there's a couple of really great uh, scare sequences and like some pretty scary imagery. But in, in it's more like an uncomfortable movie. You know, it's more of like a tense. Yeah. movie, And I like what's what's in the dark kind of movie and, and the way they shot that stuff. It's just amazing to me, like on the budget that they had is just it's just wild. I feel like I got to look it up now that I'm saying it. But between this, I was always mixing up the, the two budgets between this and smile. But I mean, I want to say one of their budgets was like five million and one was like. Oh man, what was it? I can't remember. One was like five and one was 15. I think this was like five million dollar budget. This is four point five, according to. Right. OK. Media. Right. OK. Yeah. Somewhere around there. Yeah. It's just like. It's just, it's kind of wild what they accomplished with this, man. And it's just, it's great. I loved it. I loved it. Well, I mean, I just will echo some of what you guys said and and what I said before too, which was, um, I mean, I I think that's what I told you guys was like, people are talking about, don't tell people what happens in this movie. That, That was part of the hype. And I said, it's not what happens in it so much as the way that it's revealed. Like, the story the line, it's happening, right? The storyline. If you've if you've done your horror homework, you've seen some variation on this basic idea or right. the level of horror. It reminds me of, um, <clears throat> uh, well, I'll just say this. I won't get spoiler yet. But it reminds me of the 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 film Parasite had like a secret plot element in it that no one talked about. That you're like, oh, that's not the first movie that's done that. But it's one maybe one of the first big mainstream movies of our era that's done it this well. And I think this right. you could say that about some of the stuff in Barbarian, some of the imagery, the way the horror unfolds. But it's the I mean, I hate to, I wish I had a, a better reference point for this kind of story structure, um, because there's plenty of directors who've done it. I mean, maybe Kubrick, but like Tarantino is what I was thinking of as far as like Definitely. the way his movies will unfold. Here's a chapter. And then you get you pick up in the middle of the movie with a different character at a different point in time. And you have to kind of figure out how it's connected. And that's where you get that fun surprise of not just who's in this, but who are they, who are they playing? And all the, the weird vagueness that was leading up to going to see this movie, when you watch it, you understand why people were keeping it that vague. Yeah. But the truth is, if you go back and watch that first trailer now, it sells you a movie. It just doesn't tell you that much. So yeah, it's yeah. like you could believe it was just a movie that's going to play out that premise that's from the trailer. Um, totally which is like, you know, rental houses are, are primed for some kind of creepy story. We've seen that in a lot of movies and it, it's usually done pretty well. So I think there is um, something about that idea of, oh yeah, people already think a rental house kind of in someone else's world, it's a little uncomfortable. That totally. feels like it, it feels like it could be a movie. Um, mm-hmm. You don't even need to have people saying, hey, don't look and find out what's really going on in this movie. You don't even need people to do that anti-spoiler yeah. spoiler shit. <laughs> uh, but no, I think that it is it is very special for all the reasons you mentioned. And yeah, Justin, Justin Long is great, um, but everybody is so perfect in their role. Um, and there's one character that we can't mention by name since we're not spoiling right now, but I will just say, does that mean that character technically is uh, a Disney princess? <laughs> I think you can make a case. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. So if you I watch, mean, that- if you see Barbarian and you go deep enough into the story in the house, you will, you'll find the new, the newest Disney princess. I promise. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Go ahead. Uh, it just feels like, I think, I think what it what separates it from like a Tarantino movie is it, I don't know if I've seen anything that's that's kind of had that Russian doll effect. I mean, people use that term a lot, and it doesn't and it doesn't have a Russian doll sort of thing. That's what it yeah. that's what it is. It feels like a a genre of movie where, like, you know, the it's 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 unfolding in a way that doesn't always because because Tarantino stuff is something about this feels a little different. I can't figure out what what about it felt so like. 
I was just right. talking if, about the the chapters and the way yeah, that it yeah, jumped yeah. to a different yeah, chapter yeah. in the middle. I wasn't saying that um, it was like a Tarantino movie. I'm saying I'm sure directors yeah. have used that format. But I mean, this yeah, movie does sure. exactly what that will do, which is like, oh, here's a chapter that then catches up with this other chapter. And you see yeah. a character who was a main character before. And now they're kind of coming back into the story somehow. Um, again, smart, I'm sure man. tons of people have used that, but you just don't see yeah. it done in horror that much. And that's why maybe no. Kubrick. Maybe yeah, Kubrick right. with The Shining is one of the rare examples, even though it doesn't play with the timeline much, but it does have a story that's like broken into chapters. Um, yeah, yeah. So yeah, the, the, in that it's it's like innovative, but it's like you won't necessarily be thinking about that stuff when you're watching it because you're so sucked into, as you were saying, Ronald, just the sort of, as the story goes along, it keeps taking you deeper and you keep getting more invested in in what yeah. these people are going through. Yeah, literally, I think that's literally what, deeper. I, yeah. I think that's why I was yeah. so obsessed with like not caring about what the twist was i think i was more right. the ride is more important than oh, always the surprise and then and then the surprise is so fucking crazy you know it, it like you're like what how what does and it well, was, how about and this it how was, about we go into spoilers so that we can actually talk about this crazy surprise anybody got anything right. else to say to our general audience just just see it yeah it's on hbo yeah, max at this point if you haven't already yeah, you either have HBO Max or you know somebody that does or somebody that'll let you use their sign in. Um, yeah. Do it. All right. So now this is when the spoiler banner comes up, Ronald. Yes, the span. I, I want to have like a slam sound spoiler, when it comes spoiler. up. To I like that. I like the little yeah. spoiler. Spoiler, yeah. spoiler. The spoiler elf is here. The spoiler. <laughs> hey, it's me. Spoily. The spoiler elf. All right. So, yes, we're talking about the latest Disney princess. Uh, the hotness that is the mother uh, hanging out in the, the caves of the branch off from the basement of this house. Um, uh, you know, this, the way that story is unfolding, the way that we see more and more of that kind of maze of tunnels beneath the house and how it goes so far yeah. and yeah. it goes way farther than it should. Um, uh, yeah. I just thought that that was like, again, we've seen some variation of like, the creature that there's like a weird breeding thing that's going on and that, that kind of inbred and all that. There's a, we've seen some versions of that before, but I thought the, the way yeah. this was revealed right down to the, the old guy who's <clears throat> like hiding out in that room at the end of the hallway or at the end of the tunnel that felt so, you just don't know exactly where it's going when you get to those moments, you know, you know, right. kind of what, what's, you kind of can tell what the setup is, but you're sitting there going like, what is that end game of this movie now? And I just, I love when a story makes me feel that way, you know, like when I really don't know exactly what story I'm watching and I'm two thirds in and I still feel that way. That's, that's great. Yeah, man. Um, what do you think of the mother, Ronald? It's so scary. <laughs> like I won't forget her, you know, it's, it's just one of we those. Should never, you should never forget mother, Ronald. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> in the little, like, and the baby bottle, and the baby bottle, the baby, the the hairy baby bottle, <laughs> just like it just kept escalating to a point where, like, you know, I think I think it's really cool when, about when she force feeds Justin Long. Is that when she we're in spoilers? Just, I think yeah. Justin Long signs up and he's like, "All right, I'll do anything." Yeah, you know, I'll do anything. Totally. Part of his yeah. part of his shtick is watching terrible things happen to him, right? I mean, somehow that's like part of the fun of Justin Long. Yeah, for sure. <clears throat> Yeah, I don't know. I think, I, I think, I think what I, you know, again, we're spoilers, obviously, if you're this far into this, but like just the idea of like expectations of, of who or what Bill Skarsgård is going to do or be in this movie, you know, expectations of what or who or Justin Long is going to be or do in this movie. Cause those are the two actors that most people, you know, uh, re recognize maybe in this movie and in the, some of the marketing. So, I mean, I think the whole movie starting, you know, with this idea of like, oh, yeah, that is the movie, like where Bill Skarsgård is kind of being weird. He's awkward. Like he he's he's the guy like he he's luring her down there and all that stuff. And I just love like that's like that mark of that first end of a chapter where you're like, oh, you had that expectation. That's gone. You mm -hmm. know, like head smash into the wall. Cut, oh, my God. Cut cut to the, the Pacific West Coast, you know, whatever. <laughs> And, yeah. <laughs> and I, I love that. And I love that yeah. same thing happens just like Justin Long in this whole movie in his life is like living in a horror movie when what, what happens to him is happening to him or that he's a part of, yeah. mm -hmm. you know, something that he's done or allegedly has done. You know, he's now living in this seems, horror seems movie. like he did it, you know, like, oh, well, yeah, for sure. But yeah. in his world, right he, in his world, he still doesn't understand or doesn't acknowledge that he's done something wrong. Mm -hmm. um, and, 
you know, to then to then plant him into a horror movie is just so fucking awesome. And it's so great so to see that, like, he is kind of the asshole, you know, even though he's not an asshole kind in most of. movies that he's in, you know, oh God, he's man. like, he's the guy who, as the movie goes along, every chance you get to, like, be the good person or to be a good person, you know, he just completely lets you down and is just an asshole and yeah. totally gets what's coming to him and, you know, all that good stuff. But, yeah. um, yeah, I don't know. And I, you know, I mentioned, you know, Jeepers Creepers earlier and I just love that. Like it's, I'm sure it has nothing to do with Jeepers Creepers, but I love that, you know, his, his outing in, in this movie has to do with his eyes. getting. I, I out. feel like Zach Kreger being a guy who was in like essentially a sketch comedy group, um, uh-huh. It's a similar Jordan Peele thing. You know, it's a guy who knows comedy coming into the horror realm. And I was thinking about it's not just the thing that I've said before and many people have said, I think, which is like, oh, horror and comedy both have to do with surprise and a shock. But I also think sketch comedy logic, if you take out the, the laughs, it's a lot like horror movie logic because it's all about a situation that escalates beyond a normal sure, interaction sure. into something surreal or weird, you know? So if you take yeah. the humor out of sketch comedy, it really is like, oh, what if you went to an Airbnb? Like, you know, escalate that into a sketch. You might say, oh, there's a hidden room in the basement. Well, what's in there? Whatever's going on. If it's yeah. dark comedy, it could get pretty dark. Take out the comedy. What you have is this crazy story. I do think the comedy's in place. I think I, I feel like they have to know that Justin Long's death is at least a nod to him yeah. getting his eyes you know taken out in cheapers creepers but what i love about that is what you said steve is that he's the ant he's not just an anti-hero he's like the anti-anti-hero we, we, yeah. we see, we've seen anti-heroes who still like don't try to kill the other person surviving <laughs> the movie with them like in the last five minutes he tries this the i know shit heel move of all time um, it's just so funny. And I think Justin Long knows that he's got sort of a kind of a soft boy, nice guy demeanor that he can play against, you know, like this is like th- that lovable guy he played in Drag Me to Hell. This is yep, like the antithesis yep. of that, where he's totally. all that all that Justin Long charm. And kind of, I, Ronald, I I think you were sort of agreeing with me that like this guy seems pretty bad. Don't don't you yeah. think the moment where you realize just how bad he is? is because he's got some accusations against him. Yeah, it's the yeah. moment when he's talking to his friend and the way he describes what happened to oh, his yeah. friend. That's when you go, oh, this guy is is as bad yeah. as you he's a monster. Fear, yeah. As you fear yeah. he might be like, there's no redeemable self-awareness, anything. Yeah. This movie is full of misdirects like that. Like yeah. even like it's like layered. It's like he's awful in an awful situation, but it doesn't make him less awful, which I think Mm -hmm. is pretty cool. One of my favorite misdirects in the entire movie is when she's trying to come into the house and the the homeless man runs towards her the first time. And you think that he's trying to kill, you know, and then you figure out that he's trying to warn her the whole time, like, don't go into that house, Pete. I loved how they did that. Yeah, And combined with, you know, the Skarsgård, craziness that happened like two insanely good misdirects that that could have been cheaper in other movies that paid off so fucking well in these in this film i, I was just i was impressed man Go ahead. i think i know to say like kind of a, a part like that part of the movie i think works so well that first like 25 ish minutes mm. you know because i think just the idea of her arriving to the house at night in the rain and, you know, Mm -hmm. us and her not seeing the community or like the town or the street and, you know, being scared about like just the house, you know, what's going on with this house and this house looks normal, but what's up with this guy in the house. And just the idea that they, that like she survives the first night, like the fact that you get to the next morning, that's Mm -hmm. kind of like subverting something because you don't, it doesn't usually get to that point, you know, that, that she actually leaves the house and that she leaves the house to see, how run down and abandoned and scary this neighborhood is and then comes back to the house again. I just yeah. feel like this, that idea of like all the warning signs and you still go into a situation and that happens throughout the movie. Even the, the filmmaker that she's trying to get the job with is like when she mentions the town or the street, she's like, no, you got to get out of there. Like you can't right. be yeah. there. You know, it's almost like there's an awareness of something. Uh, I, it, the movie does that so well and it does it so often that like, it's kind of stepping on these things that like, oh, Skarsgård's not the bad guy. He's a victim. Yeah. You know, Long's not the good guy. He is a fucking monster. But he's the not end the, of the bad movie. guy. 
Yeah, he's like the bad guy. No, he's the bad then, guy, but he's still not the bad guy. Is what I'm saying. Right, like, yes. He's not. He's or he's 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 a monster, but he's not the monster. Something sure, in there. Exactly. But like, but also what yeah. you said about Skarsgård, it's like he's not just not the the he's not just not the bad guy. He's the victim. He's not the bad guy. Oh, maybe he's the romantic uh, right, partner. Right. Oh, he's not that either. You know what I mean? Like he goes yeah, yeah, through yeah. a few different possibilities. Like I love that fucked up situation that they're in where she's like, were you messing around with my stuff? And he's like, why were you standing over me when I woke up? Like, there's no way that cannot be weird from that point on those two characters. No, like, like if you're picturing the movie that escalates from that point, it's like you can already see how their suspicions of each other would become a movie. So sure. when that's not even the text of the movie, that's, or at least it's not the whole movie, it's such a that like that's kind of what we're talking about so is the good. inventiveness of how this movie moves through. Because yeah. that that's a pretty good setup for just a psychological thriller. Yeah, for the, sure. The two people are supposed to be in this house. Are they both really supposed to be here? Is something behind the scenes? All that could work. But no, I thought that was that was. It really does such a good job of like peppering peppering in confirmation that there's something else because yeah. even in that scene where she comes out asking about the door you know down the hallway you can you see, see the, the door close you know the thing moving in the shadows and you're like okay okay something else is here but is he involved with it or not is still the question yeah. right you yes. know because he was here before her and like he's you know bill Skarsgård. he's fucking pennywise <laughs> yeah. you know but he's like, being he really nice and look. he's sleeping yeah. on the couch like, and all the yeah, stuff he's, he's, like, he's yeah. got this bottle of wine and yeah. he's trying to get her to drink the whole time and it, i don't know it, there's so much it, there's so much gray ambiguity like it, it plays that card so well and yeah. it just makes and then when it smash cuts at the end and then you know it, and, and then the title comes up and she's just walking down the street and you get those breaks with the credit. I mean, it's just that's just that's just great, man. It's really cool. I loved it. it. I loved it. In a, you know what's crazy, man? It plays on. I, oh God, I never never thought I'd talk about this like this. It feels like an, a very feminist movie in the way that like, it really plays on the idea that like, us, we men are just scary. Yeah. to women in, in, in settings sometimes like just our presence sometimes is very scary and it could be because of previous experience just like people the suggestion all, that you might get mad the suggestion in yeah. that scene for her that he yes. might that if, if he suddenly were like touchy with her it yeah. would feel like Oh, wait, is this guy about to go ballistic? Is he crazy? Is yeah. he going to be a threat? No, I know exactly what you mean, Ronald. This is one of a few movies that made me think about that at this time. The wa the Watcher. Was oh, that the yeah. name of it? Yeah. With, yeah. Uh, there's Watcher. Just, yeah. Just Watcher yeah. was another one that made me think about like the dynamics and then the movie Men, which is much more on the nose. But like, I still haven't uh, seen it. but like the, just what it means to be a woman, uh, either alone in the world or around yeah. a man. And a man might think, oh, you're more safe because you're with me. But a woman is going, nope. I don't feel that, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you know? Yeah, yeah. And I think that's a funny twist that this movie plays with is like, could there be any situation more vulnerable for her than the one that she's just arrived in? And as Steve said, that she stays in and keeps going back to, if I had a complaint slash question, I was going to ask you guys about with this movie is, does she return to danger too much? Like, or is that maybe kind of a theme of her character or a theme of this movie is that if you're going to be the good person, you're going to do what she's doing and you're going to yeah. try to, you're going to keep going back into the burning house, even when it's, it's, it could be futile. Whereas yeah. he's in a position to help and all he wants to do is save his skin and he can't even do that. You know, um, what do you think of that? Do you feel like Ronald, do you, did you believe her going back into the, the, the lion's den so much in, in this movie? Yeah. I mean, sometimes Fighting your fighting that 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 like tingling in your head is a strange thing, right? Because some of it is like, is my brain overcompensating for past trauma? Right. Or is it really, you know, what it probably is is like that 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 reptile part of your brain is like, stay the fuck away from this. That it feels dangerous. Something about this feels nuts. Right. And 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 what and what trying to like fight being that 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 idea of yourself can lead to you being like i'm you know i'm i'm overcompensating i need to calm down sometimes you don't need to calm down right sometimes you need to be crazy sometimes you need to be hyper vigilant about something right and that's kind of cool that's a cool commentary on what women also have to go through like fighting th that part of their brain that's like 
this is dangerous and it might not be dangerous but how to he modulate yeah yeah it's like fighting those voices you know experience versus you know what it may be and he was a nice guy her instinct about him was right yeah. But like everything else was fucking, you know, I thought it was a nice touch that he was like, I was going to share this wine with you, but I didn't open yeah. it. I thought, I, I mean, you that. wouldn't. Yes. But it just, it made me realize that is 2022. And I was like, oh yeah, yes. that's like the world we're living in now. And it's like, okay, if I was a young man growing up uh, or a young woman growing up right now, I guess, just thinking about like how not to be skeevy, how not to be creepy with people. I was like, oh yeah, make someone feel that much more, like that much better about what you're offering them in that yes. situation. Cause he could have opened it and had the glass, you know, been pouring it. And we've seen that scene yeah. a million times, but in this moment, it's like, yeah, the best thing for him to do is let her make as many choices as possible um or at least make it clear that the choices are hers to make and that he's not being this yeah. this creepazoid but yeah. yeah i thought i i agree with you ronald this movie made me think about those dynamics and i thought you were also going to say too not just a woman's point of view on how dangerous men are but like you know one guy's useless for one reason and one guy is is horrible but also ultimately useless for other reasons so it is it's not like yeah. a you know you don't have the redeeming person that that comes in and tries to save the day really uh, although you feel like bill skarsgård's character probably would have done that but even he was like less bold than she was when it came to like you know exploring and stuff so i don't know yeah yeah i think that scene is that that's a great scene though like when he goes so down good. in there and she's trying to leave and she hears yeah. him screaming and it's like is he screaming to lure her or does he need help and you know you start yeah. to kind of feel it shifting yeah but when she finds him and he says something bit me like i was like Oh man, this shit's about to go off. And then a second later, fucking that creature comes running out of the shadows. Like, oh my god, that was so good, so good, so good, so good. And then man. you jump into the the long story, and you're just like, and he comes in, and he's like, derp, 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 gets a tape measure out. He's like, oh, can I add the footage to the listing? And he's like yeah. measuring it. It's so fucking funny, and he's so oblivious to like what the fuck yeah. is happening. And it, it that, that kind of that 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 kind of like shift is just it, it they handle it so and they they did a great job. This movie's great and uh it's yeah. great, man. It's it's wonderful. Yeah. Um, um so Zach Efron was originally gonna play AJ. Really? It says uh he he envisioned wow. it as kind of a beefcake kind of himbo. However, when Efron turned down the part, Kreger decided to take the image of the character in a different direction and chose Justin Long for his warm and disarming and charming, lovable uh, presence on screen. Which total great move, be a good thing to engage audiences. You know, so. upgrade. That's great. But you can see I mean, how Zac Efron could have uh, uh, a yeah, different totally. different angle, but he totally. would have been just as good in terms of the casting at one aspect, which is the moment when you realize he's really a piece of shit. Yes. Uh, it, yeah. it, it might have even had a different kind of heavier impact with Zac Efron because he doesn't. Well, he's played uh, what uh, he played. Which which serial killer did he play? Didn't he play? Um, Ted Bundy. Bundy, yeah. So he's already done that thing where you sully your image by playing something bad. But I'm saying Zach Efron <laughs> has like he's a little bit more like simple it seems in in his intentions. Whereas Justin Long, we have seen Tusk, we have seen a couple of these roles where he, you know, is doing something kind of subversive, but um I think ultimately, I, you know, I agree with you Steve, when Justin Long is in something, I kind of perk up just yeah. because he always is funny and brings something to it. And when I mentioned Drag Me to Hell, if you watch that movie, totally. he, he is He's the ingenue. He he is playing the role that's normally like the sort of sweet girlfriend role that you would see in yep. one of these movies. And the fact that he's genuinely that good of a dude through the whole movie, it leads up to that last moment. The look on his face, to me, as, as much as it's about what happens to her, her his, yeah. his face is like is your reaction to what's happening totally. at the end of that movie. And he does it great. So yeah, no, so, I think he was, he was great in this. Anything else, Ronald, about Barbarian before we wrap up this fine fine podcast? No, great movie, man. I I loved it. I loved it. And see it, guys. You know, make sure you carve out some time to see this, whether it's PVOD or HBO Max. Make sure that you make this a part of your your, your movie watching. <laughs> your life. It was just on the other side of spooky season, but it's still kind of that same vibe right yeah. now. So just just get it. Just get spooky it season never ends for me, Steve. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I started. <laughs> Just get it going. Right. October is just the one month where everyone's lined up with my interests, you know, but the rest right, of yeah, the year, I'm yeah. still, right. the, still the first thing I reach for. So 
So, uh, what is there anything else you guys wanted to mention that you've that you've watched over the last week? Anything on streaming or in the theater? I don't know. I haven't been to the theater, but um, I'll hold it till next time because I want Ronald to see Smile, so we can we can talk about oh, Smile. Yeah. yeah, I don't I don't really have much else, man. I, I really Barbarian. Really, even if I saw something else, it doesn't even matter. It really <laughs> wiped, it legitimately wiped everything out after I saw. I was like, did I? I did want to mention, um, I don't know if either of you have watched any of the the, the Netflix series for uh, Guillermo del Toro's Cabinet of Curiosities. Yes. Mm-mm. I, I, I'm like halfway through it and I'm really enjoying that series. Um, it's, it's, it's a mixed bag for me, but I'm enjoying it too. I mean, it's like, it's so, it's a little different. It's a little bit more fully formed than some of these anthology series that we, we see in that, terms of that's the look what and I was the feel. Say. Yep. And it really goes there with the horror elements too. That's the other totally. thing I appreciate about it. Yeah, I'm, I think I'm on like the fifth or I think I'm on the fifth one, the, the one with the art, like the art. Um, well, I guess the artist. Yeah. With Crispin Glover, that episode. But um, I don't know the one with uh, F. Murray Abraham called The Autopsy, I thought was great. So far, that was my probably my favorite one. And then there's one called The Outside um, with Martin Starr, Dan Stevens and, and Kate, uh, Micucci. Kate Micucci that I was not loving, but then. It, it kind of takes a moment and takes a beat. And then I ended up really liking that episode too. You know, you but, know the um, one, the one that got to me in terms of just the sheer creep factor of it, I thought that graveyard rats that extended yeah, that sequence with the guy shimmying around and talk about a tunnel in the tunnels. Yeah. yeah. That just was like, it kept escalating and getting worse, you know, and more like I would not, yeah. I would yeah. not want to be there kind of thing. Um, but no, I, what I like, I've, I, I appreciate the effects, the practical, effects and mixed with like some really gruesome stuff so even when the stories haven't worked for me i've had fun i mean like we've said before anthology shows can be so such a hit or miss prospect this one has like a real feel and a real style to it that um that has carried me through so yeah yeah, i'm I'm enjoying it so far definitely um i can't wait to finish the last three or four episodes but i've heard the last two are 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 really good so yeah me too i heard like everything i've seen about the series that, that they were the strongest ones so that sounds Something to look forward to, but yeah, it's on Netflix now. If you're, if that's like you know this horror anthology kind of presented by Guillermo del Toro, he kind of introduces each episode too. Um, it's fun to see oh, him wow. and how excited he is about the genre, mm-hmm. um, and a lot of really cool horror filmmakers. So it, you know, I love I love these kinds of things where you see all these different voices being able to come through in these like shorter formats, just kind of get a taste of their filmmaking or their writing or whatever it might be. Um, but yeah, that's on Netflix right now too. But if you guys are good, don't have anything else to mention, uh, movieshmovie.com is the website. Obviously, we're promoting the YouTube a lot recently, youtube.com slash podcast. You can uh, go there to watch the full episodes. We also release stuff throughout the week, kind of teasing the upcoming episodes, but also just like news items that come up between us recording full episodes. So something may come out, like I mentioned, the Friday the 13th thing at the top of the show. Um, we'll kind of release some information about it just so you guys know what's going on, things that we may be talking about in the week to come. So if you can go there, subscribe, you know, give a thumbs up, hit the bell so you get notifications, comment, anything like that. We'd, we'd appreciate any kind of interaction or engagement on those, uh, any of the social media. But right now, our focus is really on YouTube. So if you could help us do that, that'd be great. If you prefer to stick with the audio only option that we have, you know, you can go to movie.com listen to all the episodes there or jump into whatever podcast platform you prefer to use and just subscribe. If it has a like, uh, you know, a recommendation option, a share button, a review option, a star option, anything like that. It always helps us out um, just to kind of help maybe more people find the podcast and uh, you know, 355 episodes in, we're still trying to get as many people we can <laughs> to find this podcast um, any way we can. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah. Good talking to you guys. And uh, if you guys are good to go, I'm good to go. Um, As always, thanks for listening. You've made our day. Bye.